I always tell my students this. If you get a no from a brand, it's one of two reasons. It's either not the right fit or not the right time. That's a good thing because that doesn't mean that you couldn't be a good fit for them down the road. Are you an RV person? Or are you just RV life curious, wondering how people live in a tiny space with their family 24-7? Either way, this is a podcast for you. My name is Kate White, and I travel full-time with my family and two kids and the dog in an RV. Every week, I sit down with a fellow RV woman to learn why she chose RV life and how she has changed on the road. Pull a chair up to the fire, and let's chat. Hello, my sweet, ambitious RV queens, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I know you are ambitious. I don't know about sweet, but I do know you're ambitious <laughs> if you're listening to this episode because this week's guest is Christina McAvoy. She is the go-to woman if you want to get paid to travel. Not only does she give us a lot of like tactical advice about how to um, set up a content creation business and reach out to brands and tourism boards and all that kinds of things. She also talks a lot about the mindset that you need um, to be a content creator and to really treat yourself as a business, which man. I was here for it. I loved it. I think you will too. I also wanted to note that this was a live interview with the members of the RV Queens community. And there was a Q&A on the end that I usually cut off, but I think there's going to, it just adds a lot of value um, to the podcast episode. So I left it in. Uh, so you get a little snippet of what it's like to be in on a live recording. Of course, you can sign up to be a member uh, in 2024. Head to com slash community if you're interested in getting on the list for that. Without further ado, I love this podcast episode. I think you will too. Let's get into it. Christina McAvoy, welcome to the RV Queens podcast. Where are you in the world these days? I am actually in Salt Lake City, Utah. So at home, I'm not traveling. I just had double knee replacement surgery. So I'm getting antsy already and it's only been three yeah. weeks. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be but so challenging. I, I'm, I'm, Yeah, that's the hardest part is like I'm used to traveling every month and not having any travel on the horizon for a few months is a little bit hard, but and, you know, I'm making the sacrifice. I know it's going to pay off in the long run. And I'm going to be so happy when I have brand new bionic knees and I can travel without, you know, minimal pain. So yeah, I'm in Salt Lake right now. And it's actually looking like Christmas because we've got snow on the ground. So that's pretty fun. Yeah, we are in uh, Savannah, Georgia. So I'm in the opposite climate of you. It's nice and warm and you know, we've been yeah, it's probably nice and warm there. <laughs> yeah, exploring downtown today, and we might go for a swim later. So, <laughs> for podcast listeners, I mean, most of them probably already know this, but I just have to say that you are not technically an RV traveler like the majority of our podcast guests. But no, <laughs> I asked you to be on the show because you teach people how to get paid to travel. And we have a lot of listeners that are interested in that topic. Um, so before we dive into that, because there's a lot to unpack there, and I'm excited about that. But before we dive into that, I do want to get to know you a little bit, because uh, you have a really incredible story. And I would like to start back before you and your family started traveling full time. When you were 32 years old, 
you were a stay-at-home mom with two young kiddos, and the doctor gave you a diagnosis with a 10% chance of survival. It's intense. Tell us yeah. what happened. Yeah. So, yeah, long story short, I won't get into the whole thing, but long story short, I was diagnosed with um, stage four metastatic melanoma at the age of 32, and my kids were five and two years old at the time. I had two boys. And it was uh, definitely a curveball, let's put it that way. Um, but uh, a very challenging time, obviously. Um, you know, when you're in the throes of motherhood, especially with young kids, your life revolves around taking care of kids. And, you know, I was thinking, how can I take care of myself and also take care of two young kids? So that was a challenge all in itself. But, um, you know, I obviously survived. I, I wouldn't, you know, obviously be speaking on this podcast, but I, 13 years later, I'm in remission um, by miracles and by the grace of God. And really, I just know that it wasn't my time and um, that I was supposed to be here for a reason or multiple reasons and um, went through three and a half years of pretty intense treatments. And um, yeah, I've been in remission for 13, almost 13 and a half years now. Um, living life to the fullest and trying to encourage others to do the same, whatever that looks like for them. And it's it's really been quite the journey. Um, just any any diagnosis like that or anything that's life-threatening that you go through or maybe you go through with a close loved one, it, it just changes your whole perspective on life. And it definitely did for me. I, I've always kind of lived life pretty fully. Um, I'm definitely like a grab life by the horns kind of girl anyways, but Definitely that shifted my perspective in a lot of ways and it made me a better, a bigger risk taker. And it definitely fueled my drive for starting my own business and traveling full time. I don't think that we would have done either of those things if I had if I hadn't gone through uh, cancer and just kind of learned that life is short. You don't you're not guaranteed tomorrow and why not go after what you really want to do, you know, instead of just waiting around for the perfect time. <laughs> So you've said that getting cancer is the best thing to ha that has happened to you. And what do you mean by that? Let's be honest. I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I, I think it was the best thing that ever happened because it changed my perspective. I mean, to have that kind of perspective when you're only 32 years old, it's a gift. It's a gift that most people don't learn until their old age, you know, really. Because most people that go through cancer or something life-threatening are in their golden years. And I was obviously in the prime of my life, you know? And so to just have that, that uh, challenge, that life challenge at such a young age, it just shifted my perspective in so many different ways. That, I mean, that's a whole podcast episode on itself, I feel like. But I think that that's why it was such a blessing because it shifted just the way that I think and what I wanted in life. And it made me more present. It made me not sweat the small stuff so much. Um, you know, like I mentioned, it, it made me more willing to take bigger risks and and chase my dreams and not care so much about what other people think and all that. So I think it just fueled a lot of different things that I wouldn't have done if I wouldn't have gone through it. And I, I look back at the last 13 years, and obviously there's been a lot of challenges, but it's been probably the best 13 years of my life because I just have this new lease on life. And, you know, and I, I, I kind of forget sometimes that I go through, that I went through that. I would say I forget, but it's not something that I think about daily. 
um, anymore because it's not fresh in my head. Thank goodness. It's not in the forefront of my thoughts. You know, cancer used to consume my mind for, you know, a few years. And, and, um, but, you know, I get reminders of it every once in a while, even just having knee replacement surgery, which is totally different. You know, it's not life threatening. It's not anything that I don't know that I'm not going to overcome. But just even having something like this going through that health challenge again just reminds me of how important our health is and how important it is to take care of ourselves and to just embrace life and everything that comes at us because it really is a gift. I imagine just the time in the hospital alone just brought back some feelings and memories that you had to deal with, <laughs> uh, even though it's been... Yeah, definitely some PTSD, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so you got this diagnosis, you go through cancer treatment, all this stuff. You take a trip to Costa Rica once you hit five years of remission. How was that trip a turning point for you and your family? Well, hitting five years of remission was a big deal. Um, even three years is a pretty big deal. But hitting five years, your risk of reoccurrence, at least with um, stage four melanoma, drops quite a bit. Like it's less than 10%. And so that was just like such a celebration of, I can't believe I made it to five years because, you know, of course I had my doubts sometimes, you know, it's normal to doubt that you're going to survive it when you're going through in the thickness of the hard treatments that are making you physically sick. And it's just hard to always be mentally strong when you're physically not feeling well. But, you know, just to hit that five-year mark was like, I, I just felt this huge weight off my shoulders. And I just remember thinking like, gosh, like I made it five years. Like this is, I know I'm not totally out of the woods because I know this can come back anytime. Um, but I know that the risk of it coming back is pretty low. And I just feel like I could breathe. And my husband and I had had this dream for long, long, long time, even before we had kids of living abroad, of, of traveling with our kids someday. You know, we didn't know what that would look like back then because Back then, like when we first got married, like being a digital nomad wasn't even a thing. Like that wasn't a term. It wasn't a trending thing. Nobody really did that. Or if they did, it wasn't talked about because it just wasn't, there wasn't the option as there was all the options that we have now to be able to work online, work remotely. But we just, we, you know, we love to travel so much. We did a lot of travel even before we had kids. And we just talked about this dream of living abroad someday and having that experience with our kids. And, uh, and then that dream just got, a, got put in the back burner because life happened, you know, and my husband was going to grad school, and then we had babies, and then I had cancer. And there's just, it, we never even talked about it, even though it was there, we never really talked about it. But then that trip to Costa Rica, celebrating my five-year remission was like, wait a second, that was the first international trip that I'd taken since my cancer diagnosis. And I just forgot how much I loved traveling abroad and experiencing new cultures and and then being there with my kids and experiencing that with them, it was just like, it just brought back that dream. And so my husband and I started talking about it again. And when we got home, we couldn't stop talking about it. Like it was like an everyday, you know, conversation. And it was in my thoughts constantly. And I thought maybe this will go away, but it didn't. And my husband was equally as excited about it as I was. And so we just decided to make a plan and make a goal. And so that's what we did. And and decided to decided to figure out or give us give ourselves three years to kind of figure things out, you know, figure out how we would make this work, how we would work online or be able to make money, um, how we'd be able to, 
you know, do school with our kids because they were obviously school age at the time. Um, what we would do with our house, you know, we just decided let's give ourselves three years. Like that's plenty of time to figure things out. And, um, and it was, it, you know, it, it obviously three years went by fast and, but we made that goal. We decided we would have it figured out, sell the house by the end of 2018. And we did. And we took off on our journey in January of 2019 and um, traveled full time for two and a half years. Uh, slow traveled through 12 countries in Central South America and Mexico. I guess Mexico's technically North America, but yeah, did uh, two and a half years of slow travel through Latin America, I guess. And it was life changing. It was challenging. It was exciting. It was, um, I, I mean, there's no words to describe that experience. And when I think back to that, I think, wow, I can't believe we did that. Like, you know, we not only just talked about it and dreamt about it, we actually did it and we accomplished it. And I know for sure we wouldn't have done that if, if I hadn't gone through my experience with cancer. I don't think we would have actually taken the leap. I think we would have made excuses and been like, no, that's crazy. Why would we do that? You know, like, but you know, again, after going through cancer, I was like, why not? You know? Oh my gosh. And tell me, how old were your kids when you guys set off? So when we first left, they were 10 and 13. And when we came home, they were 13 and 16. So um, definitely, you know, uh, you know, a lot of most families that travel full time um, have younger kids and, and I can understand why it, it gets easier in a lot of ways, uh, harder in some ways, too. But I think in, in the sense of uh, social um, opportunities, I think it's easier to travel with younger kids, with older kids. They need they need a social life. They need to have that social interaction with other kids outside of their family, outside their siblings and teenagers, especially. Um, and so it, it was definitely a, a more challenging time to travel. But I think we left at the right time, right before our kids were kind of entering that teenage phase. And, uh, you know, we obviously um, came back for that reason. We, we probably could have kept traveling, but our kids were ready to come home and have a stable social life again. And um, just go back to regular school, which I was like, you're going to regret that because you're going to be in school all day and you're used to only doing school for like three hours a day, but whatever, if that's what you want. And we don't want them to resent us for, you know, keeping, keep going. But, uh, you know, definitely we came home at the right time. Um, but my husband and I could have kept going for sure. Cause we just loved that lifestyle so much. Oh, I get it. Okay. Couple questions about this full-time um, period in your life, full-time traveling period. Everyone's first question is, how did you afford that lifestyle? You mentioned that, I think you said your husband was in, in grad school. Tell me how you guys, you know, you took three years to get all this planned out. What did you guys do from the road? He was fully established as a physical therapist um, before we left. Which physical therapy, you're like, how can you do that online? Well, when there's a will, there's a way. And I firmly believe that about everything. I It's such a true quote to me. Like, when there's a will, you can figure out a way. You can figure out a way. And we just spent three years, like, figuring out how he could find a job that he could do remotely. And there were some other options other than just doing physical therapy that he could use his degree for. Um, like he could work for an insurance company, basically, and like review health claims as a physical therapist and decide if this person is deemed, you know, like uh, approved for treatment or not. Like, 
But ultimately, he's like, I don't think I would enjoy that. Like, I want to work with patients. So we start looking into telehealth, which is a massively growing field. And a lot of uh, different medical health, medical professionals are now working in, in health, telehealth, whether it's nurses, doctors, um, speech therapists, psychiatrists, obviously, um, uh, and PTs and even OTs, occupational therapists. We decided that that was a good route for him to go because it was a booming industry that was just starting to get bigger. And so we figured out, you know, we researched it, talked to people. He found a job that he was able to do remotely um, and do PT, still be able to practice physical therapy, but from Zoom, obviously, or yeah, be, you know, remotely on a computer. And, uh, it, you know, it, he didn't work full time with that job. Um, we decided that if he did it full time, it would limit our whole experience, you know, like, cause he'd be working a regular job. And the whole point of us and having this travel experience was to not have a regular nine to five job. And so he ended up taking a, a part-time position, um, working twice a week and packing his patients in on those two days. And he works for a company that does pediatric therapy with children that are disabled or have some kind of disability um, that do their therapy at home instead of like do it at a clinic or, you know, go somewhere and do it. So it's a very, very niche industry within the physical therapy industry, but there's a lot of need there. And so he sees, you know, a lot of kids in different states. He has his license in about eight or nine different states. And so he's able to practice PT and have patients in all these different states through this company. And he still to this day works for that company. Um, he's worked for that company for six years almost now. And he loves it because it's flexible and you can do it from wherever. And um, and and he was able to work part-time and not full-time because we had other means or other income coming in. I At that time, I was a travel... I was already into travel content creation. I had a travel blog. I was already working with brands, tours and boards, hotels, and making money at that. And in 2018, the year before we left, I had tripled our income through doing that. Because I just finally figured out like how to make it a sustainable business, how to pitch effectively, how to build relationships with people. And so that that got me to see the potential in it. And I thought, okay, I'm doing it right. Obviously, I'm making more money with this. It's starting to be more consistent. I knew that it would be a little bit harder traveling outside of the US, but I knew that we could figure it out. And also at that point, I was already thinking about coaching because I'd been asked by so many people in my audience, like, how are you guys doing this? Like, how have you had so much success? Because they were seeing that we were, you know, landing all these, these partnerships with tourism boards and brands and making money at it. And so I decided before we left, right, it was actually like just a couple of months before we left, like, okay, I'm going to start an online program where I could teach people how to do this. Plus, I, I, I've always known that I love coaching people and mentoring people. It's just part of my personality. And so I knew that that was a direction I wanted to go, but I hadn't figured it out before we left. I hadn't learned how to properly market a product like that or anything like that. So I basically invested in a coach and learned how to do that and, and then launched my program a few months after we left. So it was a lot of work, but um, so yeah, that, I also was getting money from my digital products um, and then also from partnerships, the blog, you know, get a little bit of income from the blog. And then my husband made income through his telehealth PT. So that's kind of how we started. And the first year was really hard. Um, 
I wouldn't say that, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we were financially strapped, but definitely we had to be more budget conscious our first year traveling full time. Um, but then the second year, it was, we started seeing more success and I was figuring out the marketing thing and just getting a lot of new students through referrals and people that find out about my program. And, and I invested again in another mentor that could really help me kind of up, up level and learn how to make this automated a little bit better. And one, I was seeing success from it. And two, most importantly, I loved it. I found a lot more fulfillment from coaching people and seeing them achieve their goals and dreams and build a, a, a lifestyle and a business out of what you know they wanted to do, what they're passionate about. Oh man, I have so many questions about um, that transition back from full-time traveling to having like schooled all that. But I wanted, I want our listeners to be able to get as much wisdom and knowledge from you. Um, so maybe another time uh, we'll dive into that topic. Uh, so how, how long would you say that it took you to take your content creation business from like a side hustle to making a six figure income that gave you, you know, flexibility and able to, not stress about about money like you originally that first year in travel. Well, I it took me about two years. Well, maybe two and a half years. The first year, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I I mean, I was just throwing spaghetti at a wall, just hoping that something would stick, not really following a system or strategy. And really, I was really stubborn and in investing in myself because I thought I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty like savvy. I can figure this out by just like watching what other people are doing and talking to other creators that I know, you know, in in the family travel space. And it got me nowhere. And eventually I was like, okay, I've got to do something different. You know, you've heard that quote, like, you know, insanity is like the, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, not seeing results. That's where I was at. Like, I was just like, not seeing results at all. And just going insane with this, just like, oh my gosh, I'm putting so much time into this. And like, this is just for all the time I'm putting into this, I'm not seeing any effort or any, sorry, any reward for my effort. And it wasn't until I invested in myself that I started to get a better system and strategy. And then I just developed my own strategies from just trial and error, you know, and eventually came up with a system that worked for me that was more effective in getting brands to not only pay attention to us, but say yes. And and then learn to negotiate contracts that took a lot of practice as well. So really, it was about two and a half years before I started to make a consistent income. Um, I hit my for my first year six figures at year three. Yeah. So yeah, year three was when I hit my first year of hitting six figures. And then every year since then, I've basically doubled my income, which is which has been great because not that I really care about that, to be honest, because to be honest, like hitting a certain income is not really my goal. Well, number one, my goal is how can I impact more people? That's always my my number one bottom line goal. But with my business, looking at numbers and stuff like that, my goal is not to necessarily make a certain amount of money. It's about creating a lifestyle that affords me the freedom to do what I want, when I want, wherever I want. And so that's really like my goal is like, am I, do I have the freedom 
to have more time to do the things that I love to do, the things that I'm passionate about, whether it's traveling with my family, whether it's just going for a hike on a Tuesday afternoon, or whether it's going to lunch with friends, or whether it's being able to serve, you know, and do some kind of service for people. Like my, my, my bottom line goal with my business is to have a business that allows me the freedom and time and flexibility, basically autonomy to do what I want. You are speaking to your people here. <laughs> uh, and I would like if if we could have if we could show like some snaps or something like that. I feel like everyone listening right now would be like, yes, 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 that's right. Um, whenever you were telling that story about the money not having, you know, like the impact kind of like on your soul that <laughs> um, you maybe thought it would. I can totally relate to that. I was like several years ago, I ran a, a B2B business and I remember the first, it was like a multiple five figure check that I got from this big client that I had worked months and months to get this for. And I remember seeing that check, like, you know, they deposit it in my account and I was just like, huh, it doesn't mean as much as I thought it would seeing that number sit there. You know, like, of course there's like a relief of like, okay, I don't have to be all in like freak out mode. Like I have a little more room to breathe as far as finances go, but there's something about like, if you're not helping people, like there's such a a deeper level of like purpose to fulfillment. Like you said, it's, it's really more of like an internal, um, you know, if you can find that within yourself first, then the money's like, oh, awesome. Money showed up. <laughs> you know, it's not as much of the thing. When you're focused on your really, your true, your deeper why, the money comes, the money flows so much easier. Or whatever you're after flows so much easier when you're just focused on how you feel and aligning your life with the things that fulfill you, you know? Um, at least that's what I've noticed in my life. When I'm when I'm constantly focused on the numbers or focused on those external validations, then I I don't feel satisfied. Like I don't, you know, when, I, when you boil it right down to it, like it's, I might, it might be short lived. Like I might be like happy for a minute, but then it just goes away because you're not getting that deeper sense of fulfillment. And at the bottom, at the end of the day, like we're, I, I believe we're all put here on earth for a purpose. And that purpose is to help each other in some capacity, you know, and, and, and I just feel like if, if your why is focused on helping people, making an impact, it doesn't have to be this massive impact. It's not like you have to be Tony Robbins or like the president of the United States. Like I talking about in, on a, in a smaller scale within your inner circle, whatever that looks like, if you can just focus on how could I make an impact on people? How can I help people? Like, you're not only going to be happier and more self-fulfilled, but you're going to have more success. Hands down, you will have more success if you focus on that piece versus just chasing the numbers or chasing those things that really don't matter at the end of the day. Here's another topic we could talk about all day. Like, there's definitely like an ease. <laughs> I know. If you can like operate out of the and a feeling of ease rather than like strife and like pushing a boulder up a mountain. I'm so with you. It's like, that's when things really start yes. to move and 
the good stuff happens. Well, I don't know if you believe in like the law of attraction, but it really essentially is that. It's the law of attraction. You know, what you give, you receive. And what you give out, whether that's positive or negative, you get back. You know, so if you give out positive energy and you give out the intention of giving and wanting to help others, you're going to get it back tenfold. And it's the same with money. You know what I mean? Like if you just hoard it to yourself and you have this scarcity mentality, then you're never going to feel like you have enough money. But if you just have this abundant mentality of like, there's enough for everyone, not just money, but opportunity and anything, you could relate this to anything. Like if you just have this abundant mentality, you get back so much more and everything just comes to you and flows to you so much easier. I have such a strong like belief in that. I've seen that in my life so many times when I resist something, when I have that scarcity mentality, things are so much harder to come. But when I just let it flow and surrender to the universe, to God, whatever, like things just flow so much faster and easier for me and I have way more success. And less stress. <laughs> My husband and I always talk about money like um, it's like similar to blood. Like it just, it should always be flowing. Like in, it comes in. Thank you, God. It, we we pour it back out, right? Like that's kind of like the natural, like this is how this should be going. Out and it comes in, out and it comes in. Money is an energy. Yes. I know. Yes. And it's, and it's yeah. we've seen even in our life, whenever there's like a big emotional like decision or hard conversation with our family or whatever, something that comes up in our life. And we, we like do the hard thing. We do the emotional work and kind of like get clear. I'm not kidding. We've documented like within a week we like, we just like have money come in. And it's so like, we seen that time and time again in our life. We're like, what? Oh, it's the coolest thing. It is. It's, it's, it's real. <laughs> Let's talk about getting paid to travel. Some of the biggest paychecks can come from brands, you know, who want to partner with content create uh, creators. Based on your experience, like what are brands generally looking for from creators? Like what goals do the brands have in mind that we should be aware of from the content creation side? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, they're looking for creators that align with their values or their mission. Um, so if it's a product company and let's say they're, they're very, uh, focused on sustainable products, you know, creating products that are, um, sustainable focused, you know, with environmentally, environmentally friendly focus, eco-conscious, whatever you want to call it. There's so many words there, but, um, they're going to look for creators that align with that vision. So number one, they have a need to find creators that just align with, their company, their mission, their products, and what they're all about. That's number one. Um, number two, they're looking for quality content. That is really important and more important than the size of your audience because the size of your audience is really only one small piece of the puzzle. And it's really only important if the brand is really looking for brand awareness and expanding their reach, right? But every single company is searching or need, in need of content. They need content for their marketing. They need content for paid advertising, for their social media, for their email newsletters, for um, even print, even you know their website. So every brand, every company is in need of content. And so if you can produce quality content that is in line with their brand, their aesthetic, and what they're all about 
then those are the two most important things for sure. I don't know why this came to my mind. This is so random, but like Campbell's Food Company. (laughs) Nothing against Campbell's Food Company, but like they're not aligned. I'm not aligned with them. You know what I mean? Like that's not what my brand is all about. And it's not what my content is all about. You know, I'm not this food blogger and I'm not like a blogger that talks about or that focuses on like um, comfort foods or I don't know why I think Campbell's food is like a comfort type food. Like it's just been around for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just, that's not what my brand is about, you know? So like, I, I just think you have to think about like, what are your values as a personal brand and what are you all about? And then finding brands that align with that and finding the brands that are in need of content creators that can feel that need of, you know, creating content in whatever way or whatever medium they need that align with them and align with their needs. Now, obviously, a lot of brands too, and they should be doing this, they should be thinking about this, is they need diverse, they need a diverse content creators, they need diversity to represent their brand. Um, So a lot of brands are like, you know, listen, like, we're really just needing content creators that can show uh, diversity in race, or maybe we're looking for content creators that represent like a blended family. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, so, so obviously, like, if you have that piece too, like, that can help you stand out because more and more brands are looking for diversity and not just like the cookie cutter American looking family, you know? Because the reason being is, is because consumers, us, we're smarter. And we see these people that are promoting products that are just like not relatable. Like, for example, celebrities, you know what I mean? Like, when I see a celebrity promoting a product, I'm like, that's cool, but it's not relatable. You know what I mean? And companies are becoming smarter and they're realizing that consumers, generally speaking, want more relatable people, people that they see themselves in, you know, not just these like celebrities or perfect looking model, you know, families to represent that product or that company. And so, Diversity is important and, 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 and companies are, are looking for, you know, diversity in lots of different ways, like I mentioned, you know, and I think um, that's where you want to like create your own unique angle is like, how can we, how can we be different? You know, um, what is our angle? What is our unique angle? Are we a blended family? Are we a BIPOC family? Are we a same-sex marriage family? Are we a a family that maybe has a disabled child or are we a family that, um, I mean, there's so many different things, right? You get the gist though. So I think that you got to kind of find your unique angle. Um, And like for us, like obviously like we're just an average, you know, we're a family with four people and we're white. And so you look at our family, you think, well, that's not very diverse, but the angle that I kind of go after when I'm pitching a company is like, we have two teenagers and you don't see a lot of teenage, you don't see a lot of families represented in a lot of companies, especially in the outdoor industry, which we're in the outdoor industry. Um, like our niche is like outdoor adventure travel. And you don't see a lot of families that are represented in their media that show families with older kids, like specifically teenagers. So 
I really go after that piece. Like this is a family with like older kids and teenagers that is not represented. And guess what? Teenagers actually have huge buying power. Um, and like, cause they're the ones that are the ones that are the trendsetters and they're the ones that, you know, their parents are the ones that are buying stuff for them. Right. So like, I think that that's a missed demographic with a lot of marketing company or a lot of companies in their marketing. And so I really try to push that angle of like, here's a family that has, we have older kids. These are all the things that we can do. And I've noticed that you don't really have a lot of content that focuses on families that have older kids, but this is your demographic. Like your demographic is between 30 and 50 and parents in their 50s have older kids, you know? Um, so you just kind of have to find your unique angle and how can you be different? And then that has to be one of your selling points when you're reaching out to companies to, to work with them. Finding your own uniqueness. It sounds so challenging, to be honest. I don't know why it's so challenging. Whenever you look at someone else, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, obviously, obviously they should just talk about, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> it not necessarily is like your outward appearance too. It could be your story. It could be like, and I've done that in a lot of pitching too. Like it's, it's kind of more like, what are you passionate about? And like, what's your why and why you do that? And brands that align with that or feel that passion are going to want to work with you. So even just your story can set you apart, you know, um, being an RV family, you know, is like, why did you do that? Why did you decide to go travel with your family in an RV? Like if you can bring that story out in concise way, obviously, in your your communication with brands, I think that makes it a stronger selling point because you're not just a traveling family, but this is why you're passionate about doing this. So even your story itself can be can be what makes you stand out. Every single one of us has a story, you know? So, you know, some of us might have to dig a little bit deeper to kind of be able to tell that in a way that's going to connect with brands or even just an audience. But every single one of us has a story. And being able to bring that out is such an important piece of your branding and not even just like in business, but in attracting an audience that relates or resonates with that story. Storytelling is everything in branding. Hey friends, pardon the interruption. This is a sponsored episode and it's time for a short ad break. I love spending time outside with my kids, especially when we're traveling in the RV. Recently, we had a blast trying out some of Elikai Outdoors' amazing outdoor games. Their games are inspired by nature and are incredibly durable, which means you can create lasting memories with your loved ones. And the best part... They're carrying cases. They're compact enough to take on the road with you. Be sure to check them out at elikai.com slash rvqueens and use the code rvqueens10 to enjoy a discount of 10% off your order. If you're like me, you love to have a piece of memorabilia from each location you and your family visit in the RV. I've bought countless stickers from our travels to the point I didn't know what to do with them all. Then I found the Rivet Supply Company Adventure Boards. These are handcrafted acrylic boards that you mount to your camper door to collect and showcase your travel stickers. The boards are both customizable and weatherproof, and you can take it with you if you decide to sell your RV. Get yours or buy one for a friend today at rivetsupplyco.com and use code RVQueens10 for 10% off your order. 
So what would you say are common mistakes that you see content creators making when they're trying to get paid to travel? I love this because I actually just did a, so I have a podcast too. I'm going to plug my podcast really quick because I think it's so aligned with what we talked about today. So my podcast is called Your Limitless Life. And um, it's basically the intersection of travel, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Because there are three things that I'm super passionate about. And I think that they all intersect with each other in so many different ways. But I just did a podcast episode solely on the three biggest mistakes that travel creators make. So I'm going to, I'm going to briefly share what those are, because I think that they really are mistakes that are so common that people make. The first is one, relying on numbers and focusing too much on numbers. I think this is such a big stake. And we just talked about it. You know, I think when you're focused so much on numbers, you're one, you're never going to be satisfied. You're always going to be chasing a bigger number, whatever that is. And numbers are not everything. And so getting the focus off of numbers and focusing on your skill set. How can I learn or improve my skill set to make myself more marketable? That is what you should focus more on because you're going to get way farther in your business if you're a content creator. If you can be a talented content creator versus having hundreds of thousands of followers, that doesn't mean anything. Um, you don't, there's so many content creators out there that have massive followings. In fact, it's quite interesting how many creators will reach out to me that have way bigger audiences than I do and are like, Christina, I am struggling to make business. Like I'm barely even making like $50,000 a year and they've got like 300,000 followers. So you have to think, you have to think, how can I make a business? How can I make myself marketable? What skill set could I bring to the table outside of having an audience? Because an audience is only one asset. It's just one asset that you can leverage. Yes, having an audience is helpful. I'm not going to say it isn't, but it should not be your sole focus. Your sole focus should be on building and improving your skill set as a content creator, whether that's photography, whether that's video, whether that's writing, whether it's storytelling. Like if you can bring that to the table, you have, you can build a business from that with a small or even no audience. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I think one of the mistakes people make, especially starting out, is focusing on, I've got to grow an audience. I've got to get 10,000 followers or 20,000 followers or 50,000 followers. And they just focus on numbers. And that is not what your focus should be. Um, the next mistake that I think so many uh, creators make, and I actually just talked about this in a post on Instagram, was not having a business mindset. They go into this with kind of treating it like a hobby. Like this is kind of just a fun little project or hobby that I do on the side that if I get some free things out of it, awesome. You know, if I get a free hotel stay or maybe I don't have to pay for this like excursion or a product that I really want I don't have to pay for. If you're just treating like a hobby and you're just in it for like some freebies, guess what? That is not a business model and it's going to get you nowhere. And eventually... Maybe not right away, but eventually you're going to be like, I'm burned out because I'm doing a lot of work for no pay. And so this is a huge mistake that a lot of creators make. And it's what I did at first. I treated my business like a hobby for the first year and it got me nowhere. And 
And you have to adopt a business mindset. You have to treat it like a business. And when you start treating yourself like a business, not only is it going to put you in the right mindset to have success making money, but businesses or brands are going to treat you more seriously because you're treating yourself like a business. And it's a business exchange. It's not a, I just saw nobody that's getting something for free. You are a business. And as a content creator, you are wearing a lot of hats. You are wearing the hat of photographer, videographer, editor, uh, stylist, talent, uh, writer, um, director, marketer. You're wearing all of the hats. I don't care how many followers you have or how little experience you have, you have value. And the sooner you realize that and the sooner you put your business hat on, the faster you're going to make money. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make, especially starting out, is they don't treat it like a business, they treat it like a hobby. And that is a huge mistake. Um, the third mistake, because I could share more, but I think these are the three biggest ones. The third mistake I would say so many people make is they don't invest in themselves. And I also made this mistake. I thought, oh, I could just figure this out myself. I can just follow what my friend is doing. You know, I have this friend that's had success doing what I want to do. So I'll just pick her brain and learn what how she's doing it. And yeah, you can have success doing that. You can Google anything and figure out a way to do it. But you're going to be doing a runaround and it's going to be a lot of trial and error. And it's going to be a lot of, it's just basically, it's a slower path. If you really want to get farther, you have to be willing to invest in yourself, even before you really have the money to invest in yourself. Every single time I made an investment in myself, and I made some really big investments, like scary investments where I was like, holy, sh okay, I'm not going to swear, but holy hell, if I don't make this work, like I am screwed. Like that's, those are the kind of investments that I've made. But guess what? Every time you invest in yourself, you put some skin in the game. And when you put skin in the game, you have more drive to make it work. So if you're just trying to do stuff and you're just trying to be resourceful and like find free resources to learn how to do things, yes, you can learn a lot, but it's a slower track. And it's also not as motivating as when you like invest in something, you put money into something, whether that's an online program, a coach, a mastermind, whatever. When you put money into something, you are more determined, you're more motivated to make it work and you have more success faster. So I think this is a big mistake people make because they're like, well, I don't have money yet. So I don't want to invest in myself because I haven't made any money. Well, guess what, honey? You're going to make, you're going to make that money back. If you just follow a system, a proven system, or hire a mentor that you know is going to get you where you want to go because she's doing or he's doing what you want to do, right? And they've had successful, you know, not just success themselves, but they have students that have had success. Like, if you just follow that, you're, you're, it's just, it's all in one place. You're getting it from one person, you're learning it from one system or one resource, and you have everything there. And now you just have to do the work. And you do the work, you get the results. So I think that's a, a huge mistake that a lot of people make. And not just creators, I think entrepreneurs in general, I think we're so like budget conscious. And I totally get it because I was the same way. I was like, I don't have money to spend on myself. And I felt guilty for doing that, you know? 
I felt guilty for investing in myself when I'm not making money. But ultimately, I knew that that's what I needed because I got to that point where I wasn't seeing the results. I was just getting a lot of freebies, but not making money. And that's not a business, you know? And so I knew that I needed to level up and I needed to invest in myself. And every time I've invested in myself, I've seen bigger results and bigger results and bigger results. And I, so I strongly believe that you have to continue to invest in yourself. It's not just a one-time deal. Like if you want to grow as an entrepreneur, as a person, you have to invest that time, those resources, that money, whatever that is, you have to put that investment in because that's how you're going to continue to level up um, as an entrepreneur and not just make more money, but, but you know, improve your skill set, make yourself more marketable, give yourself more opportunities. It just opens so many more doors when you're willing to invest in yourself. I think it all goes back to what you said about treating yourself like a business and content creation like a business. Because if you were going to buy, if you were going to invest in, let's say you were going to buy a, that laundromat down the road, as an example, as a business, like when you put that hat on, you're like, okay, I'm going to pay like, I don't even know, just $20,000 down payment to the bank. And then I can expect this return and I have to get a loan. You know what I mean? It's like you put on the business hat of I'm going to invest this money the first year maybe I'll break even. And then the second, third, fourth, fifth, et cetera, a year, like I will make the money based on X, Y, Z, right? It's the same thing with any kind of online business. Like I'm going to invest in this. And I think it also takes like some optimism and belief in yourself where you're like, okay, I'm going to invest in this. And then I'm going to execute on it and I will be successful. Well, and so a lot of people struggle with the belief in themselves and I totally get that. But what helps me, and I I tell people this all the time, like when they're struggling with, I don't believe in myself. One is find someone that believes in you. There's gotta be someone in your circle, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a best friend, whatever, someone believes in you. You need to tell them your dream or your dreams, goals, whatever, and allow that belief in you to help fuel your own belief in yourself. Also, I think that you build confidence by doing. You don't just naturally get confident at something that you've never done before. None of us feel confident about something we've never done before. But as you're learning and as you're doing, you gain confidence and that belief comes in yourself. And then I also think like surround yourself with other people that are doing things that you want to do and having success. And by watching them, hopefully this is, is fueling your, you're, you're able to see, hey, well, if so-and-so can do this, I can do this, right? And it should always never be a like jealousy type of situation because that has a scarcity mindset mentality behind it. It should be, hey, look at all these people that are able to do what I want to do. And they started the same place that I did. Why wouldn't I be able to do that? So These are little things that I tell people to do when they struggle with finding that belief in themselves because we all struggle with that. You know, we, it's, it's just normal, right? You know, that sense of insecurity where we've never done something before is scary. So how do we find that belief in ourselves is we surround ourselves with other people that believe in us and we look at other people that are similar, that are doing what we want to do. And we say, Hey, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's enough to just get the ball rolling. You know, and then once that ball is rolling and you start putting action and you start learning and, you know, and putting that 
whatever you're learning into action, you'll start gaining more confidence in it. So that, you know, it's, it comes with time, I guess. I want you to like paint a picture for us of kind of the core tenets that you talk about in, in all of your courses and your membership and all this stuff. Like if there was a valedictorian of the Christina McAvoy method, what would they be doing? Give us some like tactical, here's what the creator who's getting paid to travel, here's what they're doing. Well, I have a lot of successful students, so um, it's awesome. And I, I absolutely love seeing people like achieve amazing things. But the people that are really doing it well and making a sustainable, profitable business off of this are one, doing all the things that we talked about. They're treating their 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 business like a business, not a hobby. Number one, um, they're investing in themselves, and then they're doing the work. You know, they're willing to try new things. They're willing to follow a system and be consistent with following that system. You have to create systems in your business, and when I mean systems, I mean like you got to carve out time. You got to create like time in your day, time in your week, where you're doing set tasks that are focused on goals in your business. So if your goal, if your primary goal in your business is to make money, um, then you should put more time into pitching and developing relationships with brands and companies than you should actually creating content because creating content is not directly making you money. I'm not saying that content creation is not something that you should do because you should do that. But if your primary goal is like, making money, then you should be refining and improving your skill set, number one, and your business skill set to market yourself and pitch yourself. So the people that are successful in my business are doing that. They are not only improving their skill set, whether that's photography, whether that's creating short form videos like Reels, TikToks, you know, or like UGC, they're doing UGC for brands. Um, They're not only improving their skill set, but they're also spending a lot of their time pitching themselves and developing relationships with brands so that they can have long-term contracts and get that consistent revenue in. Um, They're not worried about posting several times a day on social media to grow their audience. Maybe they have time to do that. Maybe they don't, but that's not their number one, number two priority. Um, So you have to align your priorities with what your goals are. And having a lot of followers is not going to make you money necessarily. And so... You got to focus on what can I do to make money? Because the followers, I might not get a huge following for a year or six months, right? So what can I do to make money now? And the people that are the most successful are focused on how can I make money in the immediate future? And that's building their skill set and building their business mindset to, or putting their time into business tasks to build their business, pitching a lot. That's when I started seeing the biggest growth with my business was when I was like, you know what? I'm going to every Tuesday, every Tuesday, I would set aside two to three hours, a block of time, and I would focus on researching and pitching 10 new brands every single week. I did that for a year. And that was the year that I tripled my income and actually made money and not just like random paycheck here and there, you know, or freebie here and there. It's like I actually was making consistent income every month because I was putting myself out there. I was pitching a lot. I was doing the research. I was building relationships. 
And in, in doing the, uh, that a lot, I learned and refined my pitch better. And I also, because I was working with brands more and more, I was building and improving my skill set as a content creator too. Um, so I would say that is what I would focus on. You know, if you want to have success, improve your skill set, have a skill set that's marketable, and then put yourself out there and become a really, really good at marketing yourself. And that's essentially what I teach. And, and I think that's the basis of like any business too. You know, it's not just content creation, but really any business is how well can you market yourself and what do you have to offer that somebody needs? Man, that's such good stuff. Okay. I have one last question and then I'll have you share kind of like where people connect can connect with you and get into all your courses and everything you offer. So the slogan for this show is a podcast about unexpected riches. Christina, what would you say is the unexpected richness of being an intrepid traveler? Oh gosh, it's, it's hard to like narrow it down to one thing. But what I love about traveling and experiencing new cultures is I think you develop such a greater sense of open-mindedness um, and compassion for people. Um, I think that's why I especially love traveling to developing countries, um, because I love to see how people with much less than what we have here in the U.S., how, how they are so much happier and they just have these simple lives, but yet they're happier because they, they just have learned to live with yet less and they've learned to be happy with really the basic things, which are what we all want, which is health and love and family, right? And I think that's the, the, the biggest richness in being able to travel wide is, is to be able to open your heart. And I, I, I think the more I travel, the more open-minded I become and the more compassion I have for other people um, because we're just, we're all the same. I think that's one thing that I've learned is that when you all when you strip away all of our differences, really at our core, we all want the same things. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's one of the the greatest lessons in traveling is to realize how much we all want the same, the same, the same things for life. Okay. Thank you so much for the conversation today, Christina. I really enjoyed getting to know you. Um so tell us where we can connect with you online and a bit about, you know, your offer offers multiple offer and plug your podcast tell us about it well i'll keep it simple i'll keep it simple so um on instagram instagram is my my biggest platform social media i am on tiktok i'm on threads but i i'm not i'm not super consistent on those i i just find i kind of am a minimalist when it comes to social media actually um i just find when you spread yourself too thin you end up just not doing one platform very well and so Instagram is my place. That is where my community is. That's where I'm the most engaged in. Um, and I, I love the community that I've built there. And I love connecting with other travelers and like-minded people there. So on Instagram, I max explore, um, M-A-C-S and then underscore explore is, is my Instagram handle. Um, if you, if there are people in your audience that are interested in travel content creation, whether they want to do this as a full-time business or a part-time business, because I didn't mention that, but I, I don't necessarily teach just full-time people. Like there are a lot of creators in my, in my student, or a lot of students in my community that are full-time creators, but I would say the majority of them are part-time. 
that they just want a part-time business. They just want some extra income, some cool opportunities to be able to travel with, you know, uh, and save on the expenses, you know, of travel with working with brands and tours and boards and stuff like that. So if they are, if you have people in your audience that are interested in that, I do have a course um, that basically teaches you not only how to build um, your brand presence on Instagram, because I do believe that out of all the social media platforms, Instagram is the most important for travel creators. Um, it's also the most highly engaged platform. And I think it's the most community-based platform, which is why I love it. Um, and so uh, I focus on that in my course. I also focus on improving your your content creation. So photography, um, being able to be a better photographer, because that is an important piece of travel content creation. And then the biggest piece of my course is how to monetize and build this into a business and how to pitch yourself, how to negotiate, what to charge, um, how to work with tours and boards, how to work for, with hotels, how to work with product brands, how to create UGC, how to you know make a business out of UGC, even if you just want to create user-generated content for brands and not post it on your own social media. Um, so I do all of that in my course. And actually, I just thought of this uh, earlier today when I knew this interview was coming up. So I was just doing a Black Friday special that actually expired yesterday. But if there are people in your community that are interested or have been thinking about doing something like this, I will extend that offer to anybody that's interested. Um, but basically, my offer that expired yesterday was if you join my program, I will give you three bonuses for free. And I sell these bonuses in individually on their own normally. Um, but the first one is all about how to land paid collaborations with tourism boards. So it's a very comprehensive guide that covers how to work, how to get paid with tourism boards. The second guide is how to build a successful UGC business. If you're interested in doing UGC and creating user-generated content for brands where you don't post on your social media. And then the third a bonus that I offered for free was my guide, uh, my ultimate guide to viral reels. So if you haven't really gotten great reach with your reels yet to grow your audience, this guide covers how to do that, how to get better, bigger reach, how to convert those viewers into followers, um, ideas for different reels, do's and don'ts for reels. So all three of these guides were free when you enrolled in my um, course over this last weekend. But if you do have people that are interested, I'm just going to put it out there because I you know, I don't know. I just felt like I should do that. It's the day after. And I was like, sure, if there's people that want to join. So if you do have people that are interested, just tell them to message me on Instagram and or email me, but Instagram is fine. And, um, and if they join, then if they join today, then I will extend that offer and send them those three extra bonuses, even though that ex expired. If you have people that are not quite ready to dive into that yet, and they're just getting their 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 feet wet, and they're still kind of figuring it out, or they're not. Maybe they're not sure that they want to do travel content creation as a as a business. I do offer a free masterclass, and the free masterclass is really really great at just uh, we talked a lot about things that I actually cover in the masterclass today. But the masterclass just goes into mistakes that you're probably making on Instagram that are hurting you basically, and how to fix that. I also go through my whole page pay to travel method and what that involves and how you can work with brands, even with a small audience um, or no experience. So I do offer a free masterclass. It's, a, it's basically a, a webinar um, and I can send that link to you and you can put it, I guess, in the show notes of your podcast. But um, it's just my website, max-explorer and then slash masterclass. So 
Um, so yeah, those are the basics of my offerings. I I do have those separate guides that I sell individually as well. So if there are people that are interested in just UGC, I, I do have a guide for that um, that I sell individually. But Insist Success is really my signature program because that's the program where not only do I give you a full system and resources to have build a successful travel content creation business, but you also get support in that. And so we have twice a month coaching calls. Uh, we have a Facebook group that's super engaged and actually tons of RV travelers are in my community. It's a really incredible community where you can ask questions, get feedback, learn from other creators. I always answer questions. So it's a very active, engaged community where we really are about fostering community over competition. And um, that's included when you enroll in Insta Successes. You get that support in that community as well. And I think that's why I have so many successful students is because you have help and you need help. You know, if you're going to build a business, you can't do it alone. And if you have that community of other people that are all working towards similar goals, you just have so much more success when you're utilizing that help and support versus if you're just trying to do alone, Um, which is what I didn't have when I was first starting out. And why I wanted to provide it was to give that resource to other people to have that support and community. You're a generous soul. Thank you for sharing all that with us, Christina. Um, And I dropped your links in the chat for our live Q&A call here. Um, Okay. Well, thank you for being on the show and for being such a great guest. Um, And let's jump into the Q&A. Thank you. The honor is mine. (laughs) All right. Um, All right. We have a few minutes here. Looks like Andy dropped some questions. Um, Ooh, good one. Is working with tourism boards growing, staying the same, or dying down? Definitely growing. Definitely growing. Um, Because a lot of tourism boards, especially smaller tourism boards, weren't really like putting money or any budgeting towards content creators before because they just were not like uh, educated on that. But more and more tourism boards are becoming educated on the value of using content creators. Basically, the reason why is it's so much cheaper for them to hire content creators to go and experience and create content for them than basically hiring like a full team of photographers and videographers to do it. It's way more expensive to do that than to just have a few content creators you know, on seasonal campaigns that can go and shoot content for them, share it on their platforms, and then uh, create content for the tourism board to use. So absolutely, you're only going to see content creation grow, not only with tourism boards, but brands. I mean, it is a growing industry and it's like exponential every year. So this is a great time to get into it. What camera equipment slash electronics do you recommend for beginners? Honestly, your phone. If you have a newer phone, I mean, if you have like an iPhone 7 or 8, I'd be like, oh, maybe you should invest in a newer phone. But if you have a newer phone, that honestly is all you need to get started. Um, You can take amazing photos and videos with just a newer phone, whether that's an iPhone or a Samsung or whatever. My husband has a Pixel. It takes incredible uh, videos and photos. I have the newest iPhone. Um, yeah, so I would say if you're just starting out and you're like low budget, I don't want to have to invest in a camera yet. 
if you have a newer phone, like that is all you need for now. And then I would say as you get going, like, and you start to get some work, like definitely investing in a good DSLR camera is great because cameras can do a lot more than an iPhone can. And I do think you can get more professional content from a camera, but I don't think it's necessary starting out, especially for UGC. For UGC, you just need a good iPhone or a good phone, I should say. Um, and then I would say a tripod for sure. Um, I have two tripods. I have a tripod for my phone and I have a tripod for my camera. And I use the phone one more, but we use this for videos that we want the whole family in. We literally just set it up and shoot. And I also use that for photos that we take with my my camera as well. Um, people ask me all the time, how do you get your family photos? I'm like a tripod because I don't like 90% of the time, if I hand my camera over to a stranger, it's not going to come out right. It's not going to come out the way that I want it to. And so having a tripod, you can set it up, shoot it how you want it, frame how you want it, use a timer or a remote, done. So having a tripod is, I think, essential, um, especially like a phone tripod if you're just starting out with your phone. And then as you get more involved into it, a drone is awesome. A drone is just another way to uplevel your content. It's a great way to offer aerial content, especially for hotels and tourism boards. So I definitely think a drone is a great asset to have in your arsenal, but I don't think it's necessary like in the beginning. You know what's funny about the um, the tripod and the phone? <laughs> Just real quick. I didn't, I've had an iPhone and like a, what is this called? Apple Watch, iWatch, whatever. I didn't realize for, okay, I've had them for like a couple years now. I didn't realize till a couple weeks ago that you can take a picture with, like, you can click it with your Apple Watch. <laughs> so if anyone out there has yep. that. Yep. It's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah. Doy. Use the remote on your on your watch. Uh, yep. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. I use it all the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> okay. How would you come back at a brand who won't work with you due to less than 5,000 followers? Okay. Um, yes, I'll answer that. But I noticed that there was a question before that, that we skipped. And I think this is a good one. Do you think the RV niche is oversaturated? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Missed that one. This is a great question. Cause I've had this a lot. Um, regardless of if you are an RV traveler or not, you definitely need to be specific what type of RV travel you do. Um, so yes, just RV travel by itself is definitely way too broad. And so you need to narrow that down. If you have kids, you know, obviously that could be kind of your niche. If you're focusing on like, maybe your RV travel is more focused on the actual how to, you know, like how to do all the things, like what kind of things do you need to have in your RV? Or how do you school your kids when you're RVing? Or how do you do certain things with the RV? Like, you know, I don't know. I just think you have to be more specific than just RV travel. But no, it is not oversaturated. Um, I have lots of students that are killing it in the RV space. And it's because they are specific, you know, they have an angle, you know. Um, so yeah, there's no no such thing as oversaturated because what it boils down to is what is your unique strength? What is your unique angle? And what's your story? That's what's going to make you stand out. Quick comment about RV travel. Um Typically, people last a couple years, you know, uh, living full time on the road, RVing. So, 
if you kind of have longer staying power than that, um, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of attrition with RV full-time lifestyle. So just keep that in mind. So the next question, how did you come back to a brand who will work to less than uh, 5,000 followers? So first of all, there are going to be brands that that's all they care about. All they care about is how many followers do you have? And if that is all they care about, then that is one of those situations where you're just not the right fit right now. And I always tell my students this, if you get a no from a brand, it's one of two reasons. It's either not the right fit or not the right time. That's a good thing because that doesn't mean that you couldn't be a good fit for them down the road. They all have their own needs and we can't ever assume that we understand their needs before they tell us their needs. Some brands really are just their need, their immediate need right now is brand awareness. They need reach. And so in order to get that reach, they need uh, people or content creators that have bigger audiences. Some brands though are like, listen, we need content. We need content because we're, we are, you know, always coming up with new content to share on social media and we need new content creators all the time. So you need to just find brands that are looking for what you can provide right now. And it just is a matter of the right fit. And so with brands like that, I just am like, move on. I'm going to come back. You know, this is a brand that I really want to work with, but right now I don't have the number of followers that they require. I'm going to follow up with them in a few months. And if we're better fit then, then awesome. But you can't like, sometimes you just can't argue that. You know what I mean? Like we wanted to work with this tourism board that was actually really interested in working with us last year in Turkey, the country of Turkey. They wanted to work with us, but they were like, unfortunately, we require all of our content creators to have 200,000 followers. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have 200,000 followers, but I know that like I can create the best content and it definitely fits my niche. And I know we could create some incredible content that you could use, but for them, the most important thing was that we needed to have 200,000 followers. And so instead of me getting offended about it, I just am like, okay, it's just a matter of we're not the right fit right now because that's what they need. And so you just have to move on and you just have to keep putting yourself out there and just know that you're going to eventually find brands that are willing to work with you because they like your content, they like your style, and, and that's a, you know the right fit. I have people in my, I have students in my audience or in my community that have like 500 followers and they're getting paid because they're creating content for brands that meet content. So it's just a matter of finding those brands that are the right fit for you. What type of content calendar do you recommend? Um, one that you're going to use. <laughs> I say that because there's so many different ones out there and not everyone, everyone has their own personal preference. And so I personally use Notion. Um, I use Notion for everything. I use Notion for my content calendar, my podcast calendar, uh, my tasks, my documents. I, I use it for so many different things. I just love it. Um, so I create a content calendar in Notion. But a lot of people just use a simple Google spreadsheet. Like it doesn't have to be this complicated system. You just need to have some kind of system for creating and keeping track of your content, because obviously that's going to help you um, be consistent in posting when you have a plan. 
But another reason why I, I'm really in favor of having a content calendar is it just makes it easier for you. It's just gonna it's just gonna minimize the amount of time you're putting into creating content. You can plan it out ahead. So I plan my content once a month, and I do it usually the last day or two of the month. So like the next couple of days, I'm gonna plan out my December content calendar, and I basically plan the themes out. I don't plan. Ex- I don't write out every single caption for the whole month. I just plan out the themes of my content. So what the reels are for this week, what the posts are for this week, what the stories are for this week. And I just have a a general theme. And then once a week, I go and bash that content for that whole week. Um, Sometimes I do two weeks in advance. It just kind of depends. But if I'm traveling, I'll usually batch content ahead of time. But um, yeah, I just say like try different, you know, Google spreadsheet. You can create a super simple content calendar with just a Google spreadsheet. Or Notion has content uh, calendars, content. Um, yeah, they have like templates for content calendars. Uh, Canva. I mean, there's a lot of different ones out there, but just something that's going to work for you. Like I know people that don't like Notion because I think it's too complicated. I'm like, then don't use it. Like just find something that's going to work for you and stick to that. Draw it out on a piece of paper. Yeah. I mean, you do it in the notes of your phone. I mean, you know, whatever works for you, whatever's going to save you time, that's that's going to that's the best that's the best content calendar. And to get it out of your head onto something that you're going to use. Um and then I'll also throw in this two cents is that if you are creating bigger pieces of content like YouTube videos or a blog or a podcast like whatever, um if you can reuse that as much as you can or an email newsletter, you could use that the written content on social media too and save yourself some time. I repurpose every every week. Every week I'm repurposing stuff. So yeah, definitely save the time. <laughs> I agree. All right, my friends, that concludes today's episode. Thank you so much for being here and for listening and for being an awesome part of the RV Queens community. If you could please like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, that would be awesome. And if you want to have more conversations like this, you can head to rvqueenspodcast.com slash community and find your RV Queens circle today. All right, guys, I'll see you next week or hopefully I will see you on the road. I don't even know.